All right, we've got Mohammed Faki on the line. He's the founder of Paramount Fine Foods. You all know him. Hi, Mohammed. How are you? Yeah, just great. It's dark outside. I can't wait for it to be. So- When's it April? You tell me. Why do we live here? I always ask you that. Oh no, I love, I love, I love it here. Ah, uh, middle of January, man. That's <laughs> okay. And we've got Anna Bilow here, uh, of course, former deputy mayor uh, for the city as well. By the way, I spotted you at the uh, Sean Fraser housing thing, and you got a nice shout out from the housing minister to some extent, right? Thank you. Yes, I spotted you <laughs> at the beginning of the event, and then I didn't see you, so I didn't have a chance to uh, to say hello. A, a current city councilor just made that same excuse. They're like, I saw you and thought about coming over and talking to you, but then I decided not to. So that's I. I it's quite okay. It, it's not the... It's not the first time it's happened. Um, let me start with you, Anna. How much political trouble is Justin Trudeau in? We see the Emergencies Act come down. Maybe a court ruling we didn't expect that the federal court says what you did to uh, the protesters, you know, lacked a, lacked an a- absolute essential nature. It was illegal. And I'll note Doug Ford, the premier, and Sylvia Jones, then the solicitor general, both reiterated support for it on yesterday, but this is this is kind of a big one. I don't know that it changes everybody or anybody's mind on whether they'd vote for him next election, but you're starting to hear some grumbling among liberal MPs about the trouble the party's in. What's your view of it? Um, I, I think there's trouble. I don't think this decision, like you said, is going to change anybody's mind. I think public opinion was and continues to be actually very supportive of of uh, of what they what they did. Um, now, there's no question that there's a government that has been in power for nine years. There's fatigue. There's They've been going through a number of, you know, challenging situations from, you know, a pandemic to war in Ukraine, war in the Middle East, uh, uh, the economy. Um, there, there's been a lot that they've been dealing with. And there's fatigue out there. People are uh, upset. The opposition uh, has been very effective in 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 some on some issues. You know, we've talked about uh, housing several times in in here and how effective the message of the conservatives has been in identifying mm-hmm. people's frustrations, frustrations, people's issues with the way that the government has been slow in acting on on this issue. Now they've changed significantly lately, uh, but we we can see that many MPs are concerned. You know, the fact that you're starting to have uh, MPs speaking out is a clear sign that people are worried about their own seats, even though, to be honest with you, many of them were elected because of Justin Trudeau and because of that wave in 2015. But now, you know, they're concerned about their own seat, and so they're starting to to speak up. You're starting to see other members of the government positioning themselves for for leadership. So um, yeah. I think they're very aware of, of their problems. That's why they've started with advertisement. They've started uh, yeah. with these cabinet retreats and coming out very strong on, on certain issues. I think they, uh, they, they are aware. Do they have enough time uh, to, uh, to change people's mind? Uh, you know, the election will tell. And uh, I think it, uh, it might be uh, closer than uh, all we want uh, to, to admit. And, Mohammed, this is politics, isn't it? We saw the conservatives do this same thing after Andrew Scheer doesn't win in 2019. A lot of people start speaking out. Next thing you know, he's gone. They did the same thing to Aaron O'Toole about two years ago uh, this year. Well, uh, we were sort of coping with the Emergencies Act and the fallout from Ottawa. So is this just politics? Is this just what happens? We get tired of people? Yeah, politics is really interesting comparing to business, right? So it's the ups and downs and who's doing well and who isn't. It's the greatest spectator of sports. Like, I only like basketball better, but the second comes <laughs> politics for me. And, you know, look, and Trudeau, you know, 
he makes us all watch. He's an interesting character and he's very successful in politics and he knows how to get elected. And I think the conservative for the third time, they didn't know how to get elected. They can't take the money to the bank and just, you know, conclude on that, you know, but there is a lot of time left uh, and they can, they can, they can do better. Definitely. And right now he's in trouble, according to the poll, but you've heard me saying it before. Never count Justin Trudeau out. Yeah. He is very good success story and he has time to recover. And I don't, I never heard of Ken uh, as a member of parliament. And uh, I really do believe that more people see and hear of the Trump light Pierre Polyer, the more they will want to keep what we have. But that said, uh, Justin Trudeau himself needs to do better and go back to the uh, liberal brand. Well, you brought that up. Do you think that's going to work? It's fairly obvious the liberals are trying to paint Pierre Polyev um, as a Canadian Donald Trump. I'm not I'm not I'm not sure that's going to land with some people that weren't going to vote for him. I'm sure they're like, yeah, yeah, more of that. And with people that weren't, they're like, nice try. It's not going to work. I would say even more than that, uh, I would want a prime minister to be elected on his own merit, not because of fearing uh, or people being uh, afraid of something else to come. It should be a combination of, quite honestly, but Mm. we should not be settling for some, uh, for a prime minister that uh, just because the second option is much, much, much worse, but uh, we should be, uh, he should be judged for his own merit. And I think uh, he's able, he's capable to do that. He just, Mm. he still has time. And like Anna said, uh, they are aware of what they need to do. And maybe they are not as aware on some issues that are very important to people, especially with the conflict in the Middle East and others. But you know what? They have the time and never count Justin Trudeau out. I think that's the pulse of politics, Anna, isn't it? And when politics is in a good place, just to follow up on Muhammad's point, we vote for people because we believe in them. We don't we don't cast a negative vote saying I want to stop this person from, from being my MP or mayor or my premier. It, it's a great feeling when you actually believe in someone. I saw a lot of that on the campaign trail. And I really believe a lot of votes for mayor of Toronto this year were because people believed in you or Olivia or Josh Mallory. I really think there was more positivity on that campaign trail than I've seen in a lot of recent elections. Uh, yes, but I have to say that we we are affected by the politics uh, south of the border. There's no question about it, Greg, and and we see it in our own politics. We see it, uh, you know. I mean, look at look at Alberta and, and yesterday, you know, the the big event that they had, uh, and 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 there's no question that the the narrative that uh, always happens south of the border has an impact in here, and we are starting to see it very much the divisive populist. Uh, politics around the world and Canada is not uh, immune to that and we need to be conscious of that. Let's go to the police budget. Um, well, Olivia Chow was commenting on it yesterday, Anna, uh, and did note, and I think we'd done this actually last week together, and I know we said this on the show, it, it is erroneous to say that Olivia Chow is cutting the police budget, but she sure isn't increasing it more than modestly, and she certainly isn't increasing it as much as the police want. Has this always been sort of that pitch battle that you remember? And I get people saying, hey, we've got to support the police. These are the times and this is the era where um, the police need support, but they also don't get to name their price and the city just follows suit. What's the back and forth that you understand and and you hear about where we're going to come to the right number? I think there's a few things about this story. I think, first of all, it surprises me that Olivia only 
came this late to clarify what is really happening, right? The, the narrative and the campaign that the police has out there has been extremely effective. Uh, people are concerned. It mm-hmm. is true that it's taking 22 minutes to, to have a call answered and that we have one cop for every 600 residents and people are feeling the need to, to, to make sure that our police has the services they need. And, and so, uh, you know, they've, they've been very effective with this campaign. It actually surprised me that it took her this long to come out and to clarify. Um, and it is, it is usually what happens. You know, the, the different departments put their budgets and then the budget committee allocates the money as they see uh, appropriate and as they see fit as they put the budget together. Now, let's also realize that, you know, when, when the city talked about the $600 million of, of savings, they also accounted for the money that was asked and they didn't give to the different departments of savings. So they actually used a little bit <laughs> of this own method to calculate their savings. So the same way that yeah. the police is saying we're getting a cut, the same way that the, 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 the city official said we have all these savings that a lot of them were not saving. So, um, you know, you can't be, be saying that, you know, something is not a cut when you're counting them as, on the other hand, as, uh, as savings. Um, but the reality here is that they, you know, they're not getting the money that they claim uh, that that mm-hmm. they need in order to provide effective policing service in our city. And I think public opinion is very supportive of this argument. Yeah, I think it is, too. Mohammed, what, what do you hear about public opinion, about making sure the cops have what they need to keep us safe and, and, and do their jobs? Well, Anna is the expert here, but I believe nobody, including the police, should get to decide their own budget in isolation of all the other demands in the city, for me, warming center, homelessness should get more money and more and more. And I would say it all the time. But while we're balancing everything to keep everyone safe and keep Toronto safe, I feel for Mayor Chow on this one. It looks like the police budget <laughs> is not being cut, actually. And I support resources for the police, of course. But there are a lot of other things that we need in our city that should not be overtaken by massively increasing the police budget. It's hard to craft a budget. But it should mm. not be dominated by the police for sure. That makes no sense. We just heard uh, from a listener who did the work for us. Uh, New York City's nine one one response time uh, went from eight minutes forty five seconds to nine minutes twenty seconds. But to your point, Anna, we're at twenty two minutes, and there's no guarantee that that doesn't go up. In fact, that's what the police are telling us. Now they would say that, but that's the danger right there. Is the goal should be to go from twenty two to sixteen or seventeen, not twenty two to twenty five or twenty six. We can't keep swinging yeah, this the other way. And Greg, the number of calls to nine one one has increased eighteen yeah. percent, right, in the last in the last year. So there has been a significant increase, and and we've been seeing the demands on the police as well. So I, I think the public sees that, and and that's the challenge that the mayor has as well is that you know the pe- the, the public is very much conscious of the demands that the police is having, and the police chief has come out swinging uh, with a very effective campaign on the needs that the police have, on the resources that they need in order to keep the city safe. So she does have uh, a challenge in here in terms of uh, of the communications. Mm. She has invested more in the community services uh, that, yeah. that that was launched a few years ago, but but I think 
you know, public opinion is is very much on the side that we need to give the police the resources that they need. Anna Baila, Mohamed Faki joining us on Think Tank on 640 Toronto. We'll take this all the way to the top of the hour at eight o'clock. Um, this might be more for uh, Anna as well and, and your experience and your expertise. But I got a layer uh, of the question I can pivot to, to Mohammed. Uh, one is uh, what happened at Edmonton City Hall, uh, Anna, and we're still learning about it. Um, police are working with RCMP there, but they have arrested a 28 year old man with six crimes, possession of incendiary material arson throwing explosives with intent to cause harm reckless use of a weapon a hero an unarmed hero um it, working security at edmonton city hall uh apprehended the guy tackled the guy uh, so it could have gotten much much worse but i talked to a couple of toronto city councilors and they say they had metal detectors put in a few years ago but there is no armed presence. There's no police. There's no armed guards. And there certainly is at Queen's Park. And we know there is at Parliament Hill after that awful incident in 2014. Do we need a more secure Toronto City Hall than we have right now? Um, like the councillor said, we, we, you know, I, I still remember the times that we had nothing at all. People would just mm-hmm. walk into City Hall. And let me tell you, it felt pretty good. It, it was awesome to be able to have our home, Torontonians, you know, democratic institution to, to be able to have people just walking in and reaching out to uh, whatever department they needed and, and to their, their politicians. Unfortunately, things have changed dramatically and turned uh, uh, to the worst. And we're seeing incidents and the need to have the metal detectors to have security. There is security now. People are screened. Uh, was uh, was we needed to implement that for the security of everybody. You know, there's thousands of employees that are working in that building. There's public that, that goes into that building for committee meetings as well, that the city needs to make sure that they guarantee their safety. So it's not on only the safety of the politicians. Sometimes people, when we talk about this, think, oh, they're thinking about themselves. It, it's not. When these decisions no. are made, they think about the thousands of people that are in those two towers and the people that come in to participate in the committee meetings and the council meetings. And I think that it is the responsibility of the councillors to make sure that they do everything we, they can to, uh, to keep security uh, and safety in the building so people feel that they can participate in, in democracy in our, in our city. Of course, it's always a challenge to keep that balance because you want to be open. You want to be as easy and accessible as possible. But it, it's very unfortunate that we're getting to the point that that in these institutions we have to start thinking. And I think it is something that needs to be considered uh, how to make sure that that we have the safety and security that people need. And Mohammed Anna mentions, me, you know, metal detectors. You got to you, you have to go through a metal detector to go to a soccer game or take your kids to Canada's Wonderland. Like that's the baseline for protecting us. And there would be cops at those events as well. The idea that there isn't an armed policeman at, at Toronto City Hall, I, I, it kind of blows my mind a little bit. You were telling us last week again you and i sometimes agree we disagree we go back and forth but you were having death threats to you and your family that's not a great feeling you wouldn't want to walk into city hall every day with that over your head would you no i don't but i mean again it's all about cost and priority like uh i mean we just spoke about the police and how the incidents are increasing in our uh, cities and our country in general and threats and all but you know there are priorities and if you ask me today, would I put a metal detector or I feed uh, poor people that they're, uh, they're, 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 they're having the issue of food insecurity or opening more often the warming center and look after the people who are sleeping in our street at minus a 20, of course, I'll put that first. Hopefully, we don't need to do one or the other. But of course, it has to be cost, study, budget and a priority. And for me, there is a lot of other priorities as well. 
Um, I want to move this uh, to interest rates, and we'll we'll end on this. Um, yesterday, Mohammed Bank of Canada leaves it at five percent. We knew that would happen. It probably stays next month, and maybe even the month after that. Does this provide some hope? You see people in community and your community, and we're talking about struggling right now. If we get the five percent down, people can get into the housing market. They can afford to buy a new car. They can just breathe a little bit easier. Are you hoping that happens in spring end of summer? Like we've seen the worst of our economic times. Yeah, it looks like the first rate cut will happen soon. And I hope it does. And, you know, and, you know, people will even psychologically by talking about it, hearing about it, will feel more in the mood of just making investment, building more, uh, their life better and, and, and look forward to something. Now, everything they think about is negative and I cannot do this and I cannot do that. So I'm hoping to see that interest rate relief a little bit and hopefully sometime soon. And you know how the housing market works. Uh, sales, we hope, go up in the spring. A lot of people don't buy January, February, but we've just had a lot of well-qualified buyers. I know a few of them just sitting there. They're waiting this out. They'd love for it to drop a percentage or two. Those people that have mortgages come due, they're hoping, praying that that's where we get by July and August. What are you hoping we see? Oh, absolutely. I think we're all hoping for interest rates to, to come down. I think I think it was expected that they were going to hold the rate uh, at this point in time. Uh, it, you know, it, it, it has been coming down the inflation, which was, you know, the reason that the Bank of Canada has told everybody they need to to do take these actions. You know, it, it was a 8.1 a year and a half ago. It's now 3.4. I think it's still volatile. That's uh, the reason why they say we need to, you know, hold the line a bit more to eventually uh, start cutting the, the 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 rates. And and I think a lot of people, like you said, especially the ones that have mortgages coming up due, and there's a significant amount of people um, that that have uh, uh, mortgages uh, coming up due uh, in the next year and two years that are looking at this very closely. Uh, people that are that want to buy and builders that want to build. You know, uh, a lot of people uh, that that need to put shovels in the ground, the math is just not working because of the interest rates. And, and we need that supply more than ever. So this has mm. been a big issue in housing, not only for the, the, uh, the, the end user that wants to buy the home, but we need to produce those homes so they can buy it as well they, when, when the, the rates come down. And, and the rates also affect the start of uh, construction of these projects. And so I think everybody is anxious, anxiously awaiting for these rates to come down uh, to, 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 to get going. Yeah. We have about 40 seconds here, Anna, but yeah, elaborate on that. We, we've got obviously developers and builders and, and just the, you know, the rank and file that do the work and they just can't get these, like we saw builds slow up and November 23 was slower than November 22. And I know we've got all the housing ministers out there, Paul Calandra provincially, Sean Fraser, are federally saying we're building more homes than ever that might be the plan but shovels in the ground we're struggling because of the rates yeah and and this and this is the the the, the issue these the the last few months and the reason why we haven't seen uh, the starts going is the math mm. doesn't add up and so we need these interest rates to come up we need governments to come together to stack their programs to get these incentives going so we, the math adds up you know we, when we talk about housing we talk about a lot of the you know, zoning issues, and we need to get more of uh, this being allowed to build. And those are initiatives that need to be taken and will have an impact in two, three, four years from now. But right now, mm. we need a plan to get shovels in the ground. And, we, and for that to happen, the math needs to work. Enjoyed having you both on. Thanks so much.